Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 38 of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. I'm Kenny Cochran, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jake Hugh. Oorah! Oorah, baby. Jake and I were just having a, a nice little conversation about NFL free agency. Kind of our Falcons wish list and really just kind of small talk around the league about, you know, what's going down. What could we see happen? little debate what happens in Baltimore. Everybody wants to talk about Lamar Jackson. Everybody's talking about what's uh, going on down there in that NFC South right now. And um, I know everybody's ready for the NFL draft. We're very, very close. And um, we appreciate y'all for listening. Sorry for the block in the schedule last week. Had a little uh, sickness mishap, but we're back and we're yeah. ready to rock and roll. What do you say, Jake? Hey, man, I'm so ready for this. Like Kenny mentioned, we, had, we, were, we were going at it. Like, guys, we were, we've been talking for 40, 40 plus minutes about all different yes, types of stuff. If you were in the live, you would have seen it all. Um, but me and Kenny have an issue where every time we record, we always plan on doing this recording at 9 o'clock Eastern time. And uh, every time we decide to record, we both hop in here about, you know, 8.50. And then we get to talk and we get to rambling. We get to talk about everything. And all of a sudden, it's 9.40. We done discussed, you know, a lot of the stuff we probably were going to talk about on the podcast. But, you know... We try to keep this podcast Atlanta-oriented, which is kind of a, you know, a dumb thing for the most part. Like, we get it, baseball season's around Braves. Uh, we talk about Braves, and, you know, people around Atlanta Braves probably don't care too much more about, like, what's going on around the league, which is understandable. But the NFL and college football is a different thing. So, you know, right now, today, I think we're going to kind of give a little bit more deep dive than just our basics in Atlanta. I think we're going to kind of go around the league. And then, you know, near the end, we'll kind of clear out the rest of our... uh you know, our Atlanta news. We'll kind of give you the little yep. Braves talk. We're going to start things off kind of like how we were beforehand. We're just going to kind of chat a little bit about, about free agency and what's been going on in this NFL, this short NFL offseason, but electric one. Absolutely electric. Followed up by freaking probably the most exciting Falcons free agency class I've ever witnessed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it was like that day one. That's the funny thing about it. We have yeah, been... We have a group chat. If you've been here for a little bit, you know our friend Jacob. He's been on a couple episodes with us real early on. Um, we have a group chat with us three. And every time we see something come up, we just type in the chat, let Terry cook. Because Terry has been on a roll. He has been checking off. We had a whole Christmas list. And Terry has just been, oh, yeah, you're going to get that. Oh, yeah. You wanted, you're talking about Jordan Poyer. Guess what? You're going to get Jesse Bates. So check that off the list. Like, we, we, we have been going through the thing. And I'm sure he's not done. Um, obviously, cap room. We went into this offseason kind of sweating things out, saying, "Oh, we, the Atlanta Falcons have 65 million dollars in cap room to spend. Are they actually going to do something noteworthy with it?" That's always kind of the fear whenever you see a number like that. And you know, as Falcons fans, we can we can kindly say that you know we've we've been through a pretty disappointing time in the, in, in the past. So yeah. to see what this regime has been doing this offseason, um has been awesome and i was thinking about this earlier because everybody talks about arthur smith and you know you might be, not be the biggest fan of him but this is whenever his clock starts to tick you know the past two years are down the drain those two years did not matter one bit because what the former regime did to set this regime up was terrible there was so much dead money guys that weren't even on the team anymore they were giving contracts out to everybody and anybody and uh now this regime finally gets to get their team together and uh they we get to see what they can do with it man and it, it's been awesome dude and i started thinking about this too jake and me and you hadn't really talked about this yet, but obviously you have like dream signings that you want, like baseball. Like, would love to have Mike Trout in a Braves uniform. Oh yeah, that is not realistic. No, You're basketball. I mean, I'd love to have Kevin Durant. Oh, I would too, happen. no doubt. And you know, football. We wanted Lamar Jackson. Did it seem somewhat realistic? Sure, but yeah. it was still kind of a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. 
But dude, think about what like actual realistic like what would you like your team to do? I would like them to do this, and it happened. It's happened three times over the past year for us. Yeah, we wanted we wanted Matt Olson. We got Matt Olson. Mm-hmm. We wanted Dejounte Murray. We got Dejounte Murray. We wanted uh, Jesse Bates, John a blank here. That's exactly what they did. Is they went and got Jet. Like those were A A and A in all three sports that we wanted. Like we want this guy. Nobody else get this guy. We'll be happy. And they mm-hmm. got all of them. No, that, saying, that's that's literally what happened. And you know, obviously the Hawks. And the Falcons are miles behind the Braves right now. The Braves are, you know, arguably the best roster in the MLB and, you know, won a World Series. But, like, the cards, when the cards start unfolding, like, things start falling. I mean, it's not rocket science here, boys and girls. I mean, when you have a sports team full of athletes, when you put good athletes on the team, you're going to win games. Yes. It happened for the Braves. You know, it's going to happen for the Hawks. We have, you know, coaching issues and, and things like that that, you know, kind of plague us a little bit. But it, everything is is in the works. And for a rebuilding Falcons team to bring in, in my opinion, completely unbiased because you can ask Jake. I've known Jake for, you know, five, six years, whatever, however long it's been. And I've been saying this since he came to the league. Jesse Bates is the best safety in the NFL. Yes. I agree. I I don't I don't even think there's a comparable comparison to Jesse Bates in my in in my law I would say Minka Fitzpatrick is yeah probably the closest to being that top tier guy and I would still put Jesse Bates over him for his all around ability as a safety. I think it's Jesse Minka and Derwin. And Derwin is definitely up there too. I think me I think the thing with Jesse is you get the perfect mixture of both Derwin and Minka. Yeah, you know, Mika's probably the best ball hawking safety in the NFL. I don't know if there's any question about that. He's if the ball's in the air, Mika has a pretty damn good chance of going to get it. And obviously, anybody that watches Derwin James play football, they know that Derwin's you know more of like your you know come downhill, knock somebody's head off, knock the shoes off, and keep rolling. Jesse's kind of a duel with that. And I've watched some Jesse Jesse Bates tape over the past couple of days, just trying to. Obviously, you watch the NFL season, and like you don't just watch everybody's tape throughout the year. You just kind of catch games. You're like, oh yeah, this guy could play ball. Jesse Bates isn't your prototypical big-hitting safety, but he is quick to the ball, he is an instinctful tackler, and he does not let guys get extra yards on him. He might go yeah. at their ankles a couple times, but he is going to get to the line of scrimmage and make the play at the line of scrimmage. You're not going to get past him. It does not matter who it is. And obviously, we know Jesse Bates' ball skills in the air. I mean, he's, he's he knows how to trap balls as good as anybody else in the safety position. He is legit like your perfect all-around safety. And this is a guy what we're going to have around for four more years. I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of these contracts that have been signed, I know – I'm, I'm kind of stealing some stuff off Pat's show because I listened to them earlier, and I've kind of paid attention to it too. Um, a lot of these deals are like two-year deals. Guaranteed yeah. money's all in the first two years, and then you also have some bonus years after that if you want to continue to pay these guys. And I think Jesse Bates is in that similar category. I mean, obviously football is more of like a you know a recent sport. Like Jesse Bates might be a top 50 safety in t- three years from now just because age catches up with people quick in this league. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, they went through a checklist. And we're checking things off. And also, another thing about football that you were discussing and that we talked about is in baseball, there's not really a comparable person. I know we have, like, the money ball thing, but, like, it's a lot harder to kind of compare guys and get similar production out of guys in baseball than it is in football. But in football, you circle these big-time free agents, and you're like, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, we would love to have um, Javon Hargraves, right? But, I mean, then you go out and get a guy like David Onyemata. He might not be Javon Hargraves, but you circle him as like, okay, but he's going to give you production from that interior defensive line spot. Like, I mean, maybe it might not be, you know, similar sack numbers and stuff like that, but he's still a guy that's going to help you at that position. 
And, you know, they're going to play a similar role. And, like, I mean, we got Anyamata. I mean, there, there's a list of free agents the Falcons went and signed. It, damn, it did made us excited. Like, ah, I can't think of an offseason in the past. Obviously, we've been, you know, way over the cap over the past, you know, three to four years. I can't think of a situation where, like, every 20 minutes we're sending a text like, oh, yeah, Falcons are in on this guy. Oh, yeah, Falcons just now signed this guy. Like, yeah, a list of, like, five free agents in day one of the NFL offseason. Well, I think the thing is, too, in the NFL specifically for defensive tackles is in a four-man front style defense that the Falcons very much run, you know, nearly 100% of the time, your defensive tackle production is so dependent on your number two guy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. If you've got if you've got you know Aaron Donald and Joe Blow running at defensive tackle, Joe Blow is not getting any of the attention that Aaron Donald's getting. Obviously, Aaron Donald's a freak of nature. You can put four guys on him; he's still going to get to the quarterback. But that's just an example. With the Falcons, what we've seen with Grady Jarrett throughout his entire career is that he's a dominant defensive tackle. He's yeah. an absolutely dominant interior defensive lineman yes. in all regards from from any position. But what we've never had with Grady is a guy to pair next to him that can also draw some of that attention. And you either pay too much attention to Grady and free up, you know, guy number two, or pay too much attention to guy number two and free, free up Grady. And that's what Anyamata is, man. This guy's a you know a career five and a half, six, six and a half that guy, um, a big body who eats double teams and gets through the line of scrimmage. And that mm-hmm. is exactly what we need, especially with a pass rushing dominant defensive tackle and Grady Jarrett. Like these guys are gonna be such a good platoon for each other. I mean it's just it's it's the perfect recipe. He might not be the biggest splash signing out there, but I mean this is absolutely perfect for what the Falcons are gonna do and perfect for this new defensive coordinator. Yeah, and uh I don't want to mess up names right here. I believe it's Ryan Nielsen is the new DC. Yeah. Um he definitely has a system. Um a lot of people kind of circled that when he came to Atlanta saying that, you know, the Saints have a very particular system. They like to put their TVs in man. Like they like they, they kind of like people put people on islands is what a lot of people say. Like Marshawn Lattimore, he's on an island almost every play. He's out there to work by himself. They like to have those big, big defensive linemen. Like you see a lot of a lot of what the Saints have had over the past couple of years. They don't really target those, you know, 240-pound edge rushers. They're more of like a 270, 275-type edge rush guy. I mean, yep. Cam Jordan, um, Marcus Davenport, those type guys. Um and it makes a lot of sense what they're doing right here. Um, we've seen with the Falcons over the past couple of years, a lot of the guys they've paired with Grady Jarrett have been more of like your just space eaters, guys that are, you know, 300-plus out there just to defend the run, but not really going to help much in the pass game. So whenever it comes to a passing down, you know, all the attention's on Grady Jarrett on the interior yep. of the offensive line. Grady Jarrett, like you said, is an elite pass rusher from the interior. I think that if you have a guy like David Onyemata next to him, I think that he is pushing, and this might be bold to say, I think we could get, you know, a 10, 12 sack season out of Grady Jarrett. That that would not surprise me one bit. Um, no. Just because you watch him play. Like, if you watch Grady Jarrett play day in, day out, you see that you see how much this guy can get to the quarterback. Like, it, it is a very intriguing thing. I do think that we do need to target some of those bigger edge rushers right now. Um, on the roster, it kind of seems like Lorenzo Carter and Arnold Evichetti are going to be your two guys that are rushing the edge for the most part. And I don't think neither of those guys are super big. Um, Lorenzo Carter definitely seems more on the slim side. Um, I don't have Evichetti's stuff in front of me, just his size, but I, I don't think he's a super dominant guy, like, body-wise. Um, and we're lucky enough to this draft, depending on where the Falcons, you know, would like to target their things. There are a plethora of physically dominant pass rushers that could be there at eight or could even be there later on. I mean, you have your guys like, you know, 
your Nolan Smiths and DJ Ojolaris, who are more like not really dominant, you know, presences, but can get to the quarterback with athleticism. And then you have like your Lucas Van Nesses and your um what's Tyree Wilsons from Texas Tech that are more of like your dominant, you know, super physical big guys that can also get to the quarterback. So depending on what the Falcons want to do in this draft, man, I think that that also is going to help this defensive line produce and, you know, produce at a level we haven't seen in, you know, six to seven years. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm super pumped for this. And that kind of brings me to my next talking point that I wanted to hit on. I know we're not trying to do some super organized podcast, but just, you know, while we're on the Falcons, before we kind of delve into what's going on around free agency, you know, in the league as a whole, this is something that we kind of hit on, just kind of texting back and forth a little bit ago. Um, as far as like A, B, C, what do you want to hit on? What do you think is, you know, our must-haves, must-gets, maybe not from free agency itself, but free agency in the draft, just acquisitions, I'll say. What is, like, your Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3, this Falcons team needs it right now, positions? Oh, okay, so this is fun. Um, Tier 1, to me, is, and just just from the impact of the game and how I see this Falcons system working, I'm going to go with an edge rusher. I still think that that dominant edge guy is always going to be important. I mean, we see that at almost every level, unless you have like an Aaron Donald up the middle. Most teams always have a dominant guy at the edge to kind of pair with a dominant interior guy. Um, So I I think that's a big target. That is something that seems a lot more likely to happen in the draft because it's hard to get a dominant edge rusher in in free agency. Like those guys are going to command a good bit of money. And, you know, it's a dime and a dozen. Like how many truly dominant edge rushers are there in the NFL? Not many. Like, they're not the easiest thing to just find, uh, you know, a 10, a 12 set guy. You might have guys that show flashes and have seasons where they can't have them, like a Dante Fowler, uh, you know, a Vic Beasley, with famously with the Atlanta Falcons. But finding a true guy that could be a dominant force year after year is a hard thing to find. And your best, you know, likelihood of finding that is probably through the NFL draft. So I, I think that's what my A is. My B is going to be wide receiver. Now, this is a position that can be addressed in free agency, and I don't even think we need a top-tier wide receiver because if you're asking me as an Atlanta Falcons fan for what we saw last year, Drake London is a true wide receiver number one in my books. I think that he is a guy that can take, you know, the primary amount of, you know, targets. I do also note that Kyle Pitts is on this offense, and he's also going to get his, you know, plethora of targets. Um, depending if that's going to be at the wide receiver position out wide or if that's going to be in line at tight end, um, we're, you know, we're going to see what happens there. Obviously, we haven't mentioned Johnny Smith yet, but he was also a guy we acquired. You know, I want to say it was the first acquisition we made before free agency even started. It was like 1030 in the morning when we brought him in. So um, Johnny Smith is going to take some of those in line things. So I'm assuming that lets Pitts move out wide a little bit more. Um, and then, you know, just finding a guy to kind of fill that, you know, third third primary target role. We have Cordero Patterson on the team. You know, he's a guy that can play a couple different positions at, you know, split out the backfield mostly over the past couple of years, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if we decided to run him out wide a little bit. I I definitely see that as a possibility. Um, And also, I know everybody always talks about a class, a wide receiver class, and, you know, people say this one is weak, but I mean, it would not be the most surprising thing in the world to me at all if we saw a guy like a, you know, um, names are slipping my mind but like a, a Jalen Hyatt or a Jordan Addison you know fall oh. to fall to around like 41 or 43 because people are really really low on this wide receiver class um I don't think you're gonna get like a who's that number one who's the the number one guy I think is you know pretty primarily Jackson Smith and Jigba 
I do think Zay Flowers has kind of jumped into that number two spot. And then we have Quentin Johnson that's kind of filling out that three spot in this wide receiver order. I don't think any of the, those three guys are going to be there. But, you know, the two guys I just mentioned are definitely intriguing targets I could see. And they're guys that can get vertical. Everybody talks about this Atlanta Falcons offense and what we need. We need a guy that can get vertical and get downfield, can beat corners and make big plays. Kyle Pitts and Drake London can do everything you need underneath. They're going to get you the short yardage. Is the type of guy that we need that can that can get deep, and I I think that that is something we could target in this NFL draft. Um, yeah. I think, and to interject here, um, so for the A tier, like double one tier, what do we need? I agree with you. I think pass rushing is the the glaring thing here. Um, I actually pulled it up because I was curious, and you know, just to kind of preface this entire conversation that we're having right now, um, we're not in a cap si- uh, situation, but we have made a lot of signings through free agency and trades and, and whatnot to where we're probably sitting somewhere, you know, on the wrong side of 20 right now. We're Jake and I just kind of eyeballing. We're figuring we're probably 17, 18, 19 right now in cap space. You need to have about 10 for your, uh, for your rookie class headed into the draft. So we really have, have only got about maybe seven to $9 million to work with left in, uh, in free agency. And for an edge rushing position, that's going to be a tough, a tough number to to figure out on that one. Um, and honestly, because I was looking at it, man, there's a few guys um, that are still available in free agency that I think would make a, and I don't know if they're A tier, but I'll say solid B B tier edge rushers that I think could make a pretty significant impact on this Falcons team right now. To me, there's there's two guys that I see just off off the rip that I think could fill that void. And for me, it's probably going to be Leonard Floyd and Yannick Ngakwe. Um, yes. And I don't see us being able to afford either of those guys. I, afford is a strong word, but, you know, you know, and, and keep to keep us in, in a, you know, with the ability to to make some moves, I, I think that would pretty much end it for us. And I don't even know if it'd be possible. So I I do I agree with you. I do not think we're going to address the edge rushing, pass rushing situation in free agency. Um, I think we look to the draft there. I don't know if it's at eight. I don't know if we trade back, try to get something. If um, you know, who knows? Who knows what we do? But I definitely think that that's probably going to be a priority in the uh, NFL draft. But wide receiver. Um, we talk so many times in the NFL about with young guys, you, you talk about, you know, using first round picks on Kyle Pitts and Drake London, who are absolute unicorns. Both those guys are studs. They're proven. We know what they can do and we know what they're about. And they're going to be staples for this offense for, for years to come. Um, but we always talk about a veteran presence and a veteran presence in the locker room. And that's something that Drake London or Kyle Pitts has really never had since they've been in Atlanta. Um, you know, last year, the wide receiver core was super depleted with who we had. And, um, you know, Drake London really kind of carried the load himself, even though we weren't, you know, a super big passing team, he did most of the work himself. I would love to see us maybe sign. And like you said, not a, not some flashy signing of a wide receiver in free agency, but just somebody with some, you know, veteran experience that could come in and be kind of a locker room guy for these, for these guys. Um, so I look at guys, man, like. Marvin Jones, um, Byron Pringle, Jarvis Landry, obviously. Jarvis Landry is a little bit of a bigger one. Uh, a Sammy Watkins, even. Maybe even a uh, a Marquise Goodwin. You said Brashad Perriman, something like that, man. A Jamison Crowder, something along those lines. Somebody that could come in, 
be a solid second, third option in the receiving game. You know, you, you talk about Pitts splitting out wide. I think that's probably the most likely situation. Um, but, man, I, I would love to see us maybe do a free agency signing at wide receiver. I think that would be pretty big to bring a veteran in to this locker room um, and then kind of look to the draft elsewhere. No, I agree. There's a lot of names out there, too, right now, man. Like, I mean, we have, you know, not flashy names at all, but, I mean, there are the guys, like like you just mentioned, and, like, the Chris Conleys. Like, um, mm-hmm. um who was a guy I just now saw that, that kind of caught my eye a little bit? Um, Paris Campbell, that was a guy I looked at that, that's also a free agency, right? Like, a free agent right now. I could see get us, you know, a, a pretty cheap deal that would make an impact on this Falcons offense. And I also want to mention, just because you sign guys doesn't mean they're going to make impacts. I mean, we saw... Who was it? Geronimo Allison and Brian Edwards last year were two guys that we signed and we kind of figured into this Falcons offense. And or was it Allison or Alden Tate? My fault. Alden yeah. Tate. Um, and neither of those guys really made an impact at all. So, um, it is an intriguing thing. I do still think Zacchaeus is probably going to be back. Um, that just seems like a very Falcons move. A guy that's kind of a proven number three, but we're still kind of missing that number two, in my opinion. And I would like to see some veteran depth because you, obviously you need more than three wide receivers. Any successful team is going to have more than just three guys to go out there and run on the field because guys can't play every down. Like You're going to need some guys to come in and make plays. Um, and that's something the Falcons don't have at the wide receiver position right now. We are slim, 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 slim on guys that are actually under contract. Um, so just a shorthanded guy that can go out there and catch balls whenever you need him to is really all I think we need. And I think that wide receiver too with how, you know, how developed these guys have been coming out of college I think a wide receiver two is something you can kind of address in the draft. I mean, it seems like year after year, you're seeing guys that are, you know, second, third round picks in the NFL draft come out, and these guys are coming into the league as top 35 wide receivers in football day one. Like, it's pretty insane yeah. how good these guys are at the college level. And for the most part, that's because the college level has adapted more to a pro-style offense, and it just seems like athletes are getting more freakish year after year. And uh, I think, you know, guys are getting faster, bigger, stronger. All that fun stuff is, you know, making pretty fun for these wide receivers. Yeah, and I like what you said, too, about bringing in a guy that's more of a, a vertical threat, kind of a burner-type dude, uh, like a Jordan Addison or a Jalen Hyde. Not sure if those guys are going to be available, you know, when we pick in the second round or whatever, but a, a signing like that, I think, would be kind of a prime example of what this Falcons offense is really lacking right now. Because, um, you know, say what you want about this Falcons receiving core, but the big body, sure-handed, go up and get the ball is something that we've got a pretty good handle on already. Mm-hmm. No doubt, yeah. Like Cal Pitts and you know Drake London, they could do that. Um, yeah. It's really just somebody you can put on the outside, make him let roll outside. Drake London's more of a slot guy. He's he's more of like your bigger physical slot guy, kind of like a Michael Thomas type. Um, Cal Pitts, obviously, we know the unicorn. Like I, people are falling yeah. off this guy, but I mean, we're talking about a season that he you know was second most receiving yards by a rookie tight end, and then a season where he got injured and had Marcus yeah. Mariota at quarterback when he was healthy. Um, He's still a freak. Like he's he is your do it all. He is your Julio Jones of this offense if he's healthy and we are throwing the ball to him. There's no doubt in my mind about that. If you want to play him at wide receiver, he is a top ten wide receiver day one. If you want to play him at tight end, he's a top five tight end day one. So put him wherever you want to. He's going to find success in this offense. And uh, it's funny because we talk. Like I mentioned Johnny Smith briefly earlier, but I do want to mention that um, two down years in New England. Don't get me wrong. But the year before he got out of Tennessee, notably with Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator, um, was kind of his breakout year. And, you know, you look back at the stats, you say, oh, this guy 400-something yards and eight touchdowns. Um, how is that really a breakout? It's a breakout because of how much of a red zone threat this guy was. 
And one thing the Falcons have always struggled with, even going back to Julio Jones and it continued on with Kyle Pitts, is getting your big target guys touchdowns in the red zone. Because, you know, teams will double team the hell out of your guys if you don't have another red zone threat. John U. Smith is going to be that perfect guy you line up in line that teams have to pay attention to, and you let Kyle Pitts go out wide, and they have no option but to play single coverage on him because you can't just leave Johnny Smith one-on-one with a linebacker across the middle because he can go up and get it too. Like, and then Drake London too. He's a guy that, you know, coming in on a slant from the slot position, having a nickel corner on him on his back. You think that guy's going to stop a 6'5 wide receiver from t- catching that ball and bringing it in? It, it's and then I'm gonna keep on mentioning stuff. Then you have a 220 pound horse at running back with Tyler Algier who can run through anybody. Like yeah. it, it's all about getting weapons that can play along with each other. And when I look at this Falcons offense, the only thing I see that is like notably missing is that you know big body guy or that not big body guy. I'm sorry, is that speedster that can kind of get vertical and create big plays to get us to that red zone. No, I agree, dude. I, and I I'll just. I would love to see us make some kind of a wide receiver move in free agency. Bring a veteran in. I think that would just be so good for these young guys and so good for the locker room. But um, but you're right, man. We're going to figure it out because at the end of the day, we got to have more wide receivers. It's just not the, – the core that we have right now is just not possible to play an NFL season with. Yeah, it's going to uh, be more guys coming for sure. Yeah, there's going to be more. It's just a matter of how we get them, when we get them, where we get them. Um, some interesting news in the NFL. P.J. Walker just signed with the Bears to back up Justin Fields. I saw that. It's a very intriguing thing. A guy that's been around a little bit, played in a couple of different leagues, has some experience around multiple different places. Um, I would think could be a pretty good mentor for Fields. Uh, yeah, I agree. I like P.J. I'm a, I'm a fan of P.J. Whenever I see P.J. Walker play football, he is not great. But I, I feel like he does, also doesn't lose you many games. I'm so no. He is like your prototypical, um, I'm going to say Taylor Heineke. <laughs> there you go. Taylor Heineke, um, probably a little bit worse than Gardner Minshew, but still. Um, so let's talk, about, let's talk about Heineke a little bit. We haven't, we haven't talked about one of, the, one of the moves that people have been kind of excited about. Taylor Heineke. Uh, <laughs> I hate to say this, but Taylor Heineke has seemed like kind of like a meme football player for a little bit. Not really a meme because people like hate on the guy and joke on him because he's bad. More of a meme just because he, he's he's a dog. Like people people find this guy fun to watch. Taylor Heineke's a guy. He's undersized. He's you know not your prototypical NFL quarterback. Small school guy. I want to say he went to what? Um, Old, Old Dominion. Old Dominion. He's a Georgia guy. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, yep. Had success with Washington. Seemed like his teams would almost die for the guy. His teammates would almost die for him because of how good of a teammate he is. And everything I have seen is saying that if you know. He goes into camp, and obviously, it, right now the start is Desmond Ritter. And if it stays that way and he remains the backup, you can't ask for a better backup than Taylor Heineke. That he's a guy that's going to not. be super supportive of Ritter. He is. He, he knows his role. He. I think most of these guys in free agency, if they knew they were signing with Atlanta, um, that pretty much closes the window on Lamar Jackson. And you kind of know that you're going to be sitting behind Desmond Ritter for the most part. Because Desmond Ritter is the future. Falcons have kind of made that known at this point. Yep. And, uh... Heineke, man, you couldn't ask for a better guy to come in and, you know, step behind him for a couple of years. No, and you pretty much replaced Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of how I'm looking at it. I mean, Marcus Mariota, the role that he played for this team is a little bit different because he was the day one starter last year with Dez uh, being on the bench as a rookie. But um, you, you're filling the same void here. I mean, you bring in a 30-year-old quarterback with significant playing time who's going to bring a wealth of knowledge to Desmond Ritter. Um, 
this is for sure Desmond's team right now, man. And it, it needs to be. It has to be because if he's not the answer, uh, you need to figure it out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to figure it out. Um, I also want to note that, like, you know, in the NFL, you have to – it's kind of the same thing we were talking about earlier with wide receiver. Going into it, the Falcons were not able to play a season. You know, we weren't going to be able to play a season with how the roster is stacked, though. We did not have a backup quarterback on the roster. Um, and you don't see teams go into it with a second-year guy that has, what, four games under his belt that's um, without having a pretty notable backup. And that's exactly what yeah. the Falcons did. They went out and got a guy just in case things do go south. Um, you feel comfortable putting him into the game and, you know, letting him start a little bit to end the season if Ritter's not your guy and he proves not to be. Um, obviously, I don't think that's the case. I think Ritter's going to be your breakout candidate this year among last year's quarterback class. Um, but... Like, it's, it's a move that had to be made. Falcons fans aren't going to love to hear that because, obviously, if Ritter does suck, we're going to kind of want to get one of those top three picks to kind of, yeah. you know, give us good odds at either, a, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake May. But, I mean, in the NFL, I, I don't – I don't I realistically don't think most teams think that way, especially with Ar- Arthur Smith at the helm. When we see Arthur Smith, he's fiery. This guy wants to go out and win every football game he can. Absolutely. I love Artie Smith, dude. Anytime you bring ice-cold Bud Lights into the locker room after a game – you won. You've won me over. Yeah, and he's a very like prove it guy. Like you have to prove it, to Arthur Smith, to kind of get his respect. Is kind of what I've seen from him, and and you can kind of tell that with Chris Lindstrom. Um, everything about Chris Lindstrom is awesome. He's an amazing yeah. football player on the field. He's one of the best guys off the field in football. Um, I want to say Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate this year. Um, and and they paid him well. They rewarded him, and he's going to be a Falcon for life probably now. Um, then you look at Caleb McGarry, another guy that you know people were down on going into the season. Obviously, declined his fifth year option. Um, came out and played the best season of his career, top ten tackle in football, and he gets paid pretty nice. Three years, thirty three million, eleven years, uh, eleven million annually. I think it was a pretty team friendly deal. I think you sure up that right tackle position, a very underrated position in football, a, t- a position that does not get enough credit. Um. And I love it, man. He's definitely like your prove-it guy. If you prove it to him, and, you know, he's he's going to let you get play on this team. He's going to treat you well. And you pair, pair all these guys with a um, very, very experienced and talented left tackle with Jake Matthews. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's uh, third. I think he just turned 31. You know, he's still got a lot of ball, a lot of good ball left ahead of him. Guy's been a top 12 tackle in football for his entire career. And um, a guy that's super slept on but has been – an absolute rock for this Falcons offensive line for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's a monster. And uh, you know, the rest of the offensive line isn't bad. Elijah Wilkerson is still under contract for the left guard position. Um, Elijah Wilkerson played good ball last year whenever he was on the field. He, he yeah. looked pretty good to me. And then, you know, the center position is still a position that we talk about a lot with a Caleb Mc- – I thought I said Caleb McGarry. I'm sorry. With a Chris uh, – not Chris Lindstrom either. With a Matt Hennessy and a Drew Dahlman, two guys that we've seen battle over the past two years and kind of go back and forth on who's that starter is. One of those guys, to me, is going to pan out. Like You're going to see one of those guys, you know, kind of pop off and, and make their big show. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards Dahlman. Um, I think Hennessy's time has already came and passed, and I think it's Dahlman's job to lose now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is there anything else? Uh, real quick, before we get off Falcons, I want to talk about the one guy that we haven't... Uh, let me go ahead and talk about Bradley Pinion and Keith Smith. Both those guys have been re-signed coming back on one-year deals. Um... Bradley Pinion was, or actually Pinion was on a three-year deal. So Pinion's coming back for three years. Um, he was great last year at the Falcons, one of the better punters in football. He was like that before he came to Atlanta. So, you know, nothing nothing 
surprising there. And then Keith Smith, a very underrated guy in this Falcons offense. Whenever you have a top five run offense in football, you figure your fullback is pretty important. And the Falcons went out and paid their guy. So nice to keep him around. Um, it does kind of make me con- concerned to see where Parker Hesse's snaps are going to come from because he was a guy that yeah. got some fullback snaps last year and was also that number two tight end. And now we went out and got Johnny Smith and Maurice on Keith Smith. I'm assuming we're still going to see Hesse in that offense somewhat. Um, he's a very good blocker. And he has a little bit more ball skills than what Keith Smith does out the backfield. I don't think I've ever seen Keith Smith touch a football. So, <laughs> I have not either. Hey, and don't forget about Pruitt. Yep, Michael Pruitt. I think he's actually a free agent right now, though. I think is he, he really? Yeah, I think Pruitt's a free agent. Yes, he is an unrestricted free agent. Um, he is an old uh, Artie Smith guy. And I want to say we only have two tight ends on the roster. Or three tight ends. Um, sorry, I forgot about Kyle Pitts. So they might, they might, they might bring him back. There, there's still a chance for it. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, this regime has been very, very friendly about bringing guys in from their, you know, former, former teams. I guess you would say. But the yeah, fun one, know. the fun one to me that we haven't talked about too much. We're going back to defense right quick. Is uh, Kate Nellis. Rashawn Evans is a free agent. Rashawn Evans is not going to be on this Falcons football team last this year. Rashawn Evans was a top three player on this Falcons defense last year, though. Rashad Evans was a huge impact player, man. This yep. guy was all over the field making plays all over the place. Um, but, you know, we have a young guy like Troy Anderson, more of like your coverage-type linebacker, fly over the field, make tackles all over the place. Then we decide, hey, instead of Rashad Evans, we're going to bring in a guy, Caden Ellis, from New Orleans. This is a guy not many people have really heard about. Um, he kind of just made his, you know, his big impact last year over the last, last second half of the season. Um, this is an interior lineman, an interior linebacker that uh had seven sacks last season, which is very, very interesting. And I went back and watched some of his tape. Dude loves to kind of stunt blitz up the middle, but it's not like your untouched blitzes where you're just flying at the quarterback untouched. This dude will blitz and bull rush a guard back into the quarterback. Like this dude is a freak. And obviously, you know, it's all about our DC was a guy that came from New Orleans. Um, David Anyamata and K. Ellis were both Saints last year. Um this guy is, might be the sleeper signing of the offseason. Like, I think that this guy could be Pro Bowl caliber type player at the linebacker position. And with the Saints, they've always had more of your coverage linebacker, and they've always had kind of get-to-your-quarterback type linebacker. We saw with DeMario Davis for a while. He was more of that get-to-the-quarterback, you know, blitz the middle linebacker, get back there. Um, Aiden Ellis is going to be your guy to get to the quarterback. He's going to be the guy you send on blitzes up the middle. You let Troy Anderson handle the middle of the field by himself. He has the speed, athleticism to do it. And Caden Ellis is going to light things up, man. He's going to be awesome. Yeah, dude, you mentioned it. 78 tackles last year, 7 sacks, and 11 starts for the Saints. I honestly, when we made this signing, I was looking at the statistics, and I was trying to figure out where this guy played on a football field before I watched tape. I was yeah. like, is he playing in the interior, or is he coming off the edge? Like, I, <laughs> 7 sacks <laughs> is like edge rusher numbers. 78 tackles, if you're an edge rusher that gets 78 tackles in a season, uh, something's wrong, because <laughs> edge rushers don't get that many tackles in a year. So Something's I went really back wrong. and watched it. Um, he is a prototypical middle linebacker, but he does rush the quarterback up the middle quite a bit. That's kind of his uh, bread and butter right there, getting to the quarterback from the middle. And, man, it helps so much. Like we mentioned with great Jared David Onyemata, that middle is going to be stout this year. Yeah, dude, the middle field is going to be crazy for this Falcons defense. Now just wait till Jalen Carter gets here. Oh, Orlando Brown to the Bengals. Oh, live news break. Oh, man. Four years, 64 mil. I thought they got their tackle. 
I mean, good for good for the Bengals, man. What a signing. Yeah. Four year sixty four mil don't sound that bad either. Yeah, dude, that's weird. They got Jonah Williams and Lyle Collins. Might be seeing a position switch somewhere on there. That is interesting. Jonah Williams might be moving into the interior. Because yeah, Jonah Williams, they're both solid. That's crazy. I mean, good for the Bengals, man. I mean, you can never have too many good offensive linemen. No, and some of these guys can play all over the place. Um, yeah. Jonah Williams is 6'5", 313. If he had to move to guard for a season, I don't think he would be. Like, I don't think he would struggle there. He's a pretty big guy. Um, he does look athletic, though. Tackles are normally like your athletes. Oh, yeah. Athletes on the offensive line. He's had some injury issues as well, so. And also, I mean, everybody's always kind of, you know, killed the Bengals for pass rush issues, giving up too much pressure on their quarterback. Um, a lot of that gets fixed at the, you know, outsides with the, with the, with the tackles. Um, you can't ask for a better one to bring in than Orlando Brown. <laughs> um, it's about as good as it I gets. Love, I love that signing for the Bengals because that just tells me that T. Higgins, you are an Atlanta Falcon. Next, we got a lot of dead money coming off next year with Deion Jones' contract. So, hey, whenever we get that dead money next year, we get about, you know, even if you get money, we're going to be we gonna be good to go. He cooking Joe it Burrow up. and Jamar Chase got to get paid, dog. Yeah. Well, now, now that we saw Orlando Brown just sign with the Bengals, we're, we're releasing live news on the podcast. Um, uh, shout out to, I want to say it was Adam Schefter that I first saw the tweet from. Um, a couple people actually posted about it. It was Ian Rappaport, I think, tweeted about it first on my Twitter. Um, what were some notable moves that you saw around the league? Some things that have really caught your eye to get this offseason kind of kind of percolating a little bit. Man, there were so many. Um, off the top of my head, the number one pick trade was massive. Huge, huge. And it's funny because we didn't get to talk about it because we didn't go live last week. I want to say this is one that no, happened, happened a while ago. No, we got a big pick swap and DJ Moore headed to the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields has his wide receiver one. That's crazy to me because the Chicago Bears went from probably the least impressive wide receiver core in the NFL to maybe top 10. Hey, man, talk about DJ Moore, talk about Darnell Mooney, talk about Chase Claypool with Cole Komet at tight end. Yeah, they're looking pretty solid right now, um, Yes, to say the least. Justin Fields has his weapons now. Um... And they have been making moves. I have seen a, a, a good bit of moves coming from uh from the Bears. They loaded the defense up yeah, and defense the offensive line is much better. It's so funny. This is something I kinda noted. Um they went they went and traded uh Roquan Smith last year and then they go out and signed Tremaine Edmonds <laughs> this year. It's kinda like, okay, get rid of Roquan, let's, let's just replace him with a guy at similar caliber. Like you know, you talk about Demarcus hey. Walker. T.J. Edwards was a huge add. Like they, they right. added some hey, guys yeah. to that defense. Uh, also added Nate Davis to a three-year, thirty million dollar deal to help shore up that offensive line a little bit. Yeah, dude, that offensive line is going to be very, very, very much improved from last year for Justin Fields, and that is going to be huge for that dude. Yes, uh, this, and then you know we're getting to a really weird situation with Justin Fields. He's also a quarterback that is at a make it or break it point. Um, talk about Daniel Jones last year going into the season. Um, Daniel Jones kind of had that make it break it point where it was like, okay, if you make it, you know, we'll keep you around. If not, then, you know, you're probably going to end up like a Baker Mayfield. Quarterbacks don't have that long of a leash in this league. And uh, no. we saw what happened with Daniel Jones. He made it. He got paid a significant amount. And hopefully Justin does the same thing. We're Justin fans on this podcast. Uh, Georgia boy, no matter what he did in college that some people hate on him for, um, he's still a Georgia kid that 
Um, seems like a great person on everything I've seen. Yeah, dude. You talk about that Bears depth chart right now. I looked at it after they brought in those couple guys. And, um, dude, it looks pretty solid right now. I mean, a really, really good interior offensive line. Um, left tackle, guard, and center are pretty much covered. You bring in Nate Davis, you got Lucas Patrick, Cody Whitehair. Those are three studs in the inside. Um, they trade out a one, bring in DJ Moore at the wide receiver, and they get pick nine. You got to think they probably go tackle. Yes. Um, get, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about Paris Johnson from Ohio State or that guy from Oklahoma that I can't ever remember his name. As like everybody's number one tackle this year. Um, one of those Western guys, also has a very big one as well. Yeah. Peter Skorowski or something like that. One of those guys will for sure be there at nine for the Bears to take. I think that's a no-brainer for me. And then you talk about the the pass rush is where they're lacking right now. They're going to need some pass rush help, a little bit weak there. But, you know, one of the best linebacking cores in the NFL now, which remain Edmonds and TJ Edwards. And then look at the defensive backfield, dude. Jalen Johnson, Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson, Kyler Gordon. Like, they're going to be loaded, man. I, I'm curious to see what they do with the running back position. Um, other notable news. We talked about the running back carousel churning today. Um, David Montgomery's heading to Detroit. So that's weird. Yeah, that is very weird. They replace um Jamal Williams, who headed to New Orleans. Um, we have seen a lot of a lot of stuff moving around this running back group. Um, and none of these deals are huge. So like you know, running backs don't take a ton of salary cap. None of these guys really sign for big deals unless like you're a top five guy. Um, I think the Bears are probably going to address that in the draft though. This running back class is pretty stout. There's a lot of guys to find it, and honestly. Justin Fields is your RB1. Like, I, I hate to make the joke that quarterbacks are running backs because it's kind of a stupid thing. You throw a football, you're a quarterback. Um, but, I mean, this is a guy that runs for, you know, on a, if he's healthy all year long, he's running for over 1,000 yards. Um, he might. Did he do it last year? Did he, did he have a 1,000-yard season? Yeah. yeah. And this guy is is probably a top 10 most dynamic run, Maybe a top 5 most dynamic runner in football, regardless of position. Even if they don't go running back in the draft, dude, I mean, you, you ride it out with Khalil Herbert at RB1. They brought in Travis Homer from Seattle, yep, too. Yep, Travis Homer was a big ad. Like, they're solid. Yeah, they are very solid. I'm trying to see any teams that were kind of, like, notable, had notable off-seasons. Um, kind of in division I mean, right here. I did see the Saints. The Saints did have a pretty pretty good off-season so far. Obviously, they lose some talent. Cause, I mean, we mentioned it with the Falcons. They took some of their guys off their defense. I mean, bringing a guy like Derek Carr, um, regardless of how you feel about it, Derek Carr does have the upside. I did see some funny tweets out there showing their quarterback play last year and how statistically over a full season among Taysom Hill, Andy Dalton, and James Winston. Statistically, throughout 17 games, they were better than what Derek Carr gave the Raiders last year. But Derek Carr does have top 10 quarterback upside, which I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on. Um, James Winston did resign knowing he's the backup quarterback. I think he just likes it there. Um, he kind of seems like he fits in there. He's more of a locker room guy. Um, Jamal Williams, huge ad right there, regardless how you feel about him. I was talking to Kenny before. I don't think he's as good as what kind of makes it seem like with by statistics, but still he's a guy that can find an end zone and, you know, touchdowns yep. are kind of like a useless stat for some of these guys. Like, I, I don't want to say useless stats. Cause you play the game to score touchdowns for the most part, whoever scores more touchdowns wins a football game. Mostly, um, sometimes field goals, I guess could, could influence that score a little bit too, but, uh, He's a guy that if you get inside the five-yard line, you feel comfortable handing him the ball and him getting in. And, yep. uh, you know, you talk about, like, thunder and lightning combos. He has Alvin Kamara there. Now you have Jamal Williams. Um, about your average, you know, your elite pass-catching running back, and now you have a big power guy to get it to him. Michael Thomas, you know, restructured, which is nice, saving them some uh, cap room. 
So they, they definitely made their fair share Chris of Olave. Yep. Wide receiver core is nice. Something I had no clue about, but apparently Derek Carr and Michael Thomas were like pretty tight. Derek Carr's a cool guy, man. And I'm still circling it, man. Michael Thomas is not done. I, nope. I don't. Michael Thomas is not done. He is going to have an. At some point, you see these wide receivers. You see the Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas's, you know, guys that have kind of fallen off over the past couple of years. Um, D Hop's not done. D Hop is going to have another big season, maybe one or two more big, more, more big seasons. Michael Thomas, damn straight done. You watch Michael Thomas' play style and how he's always played football. You don't think that that's going to age well? You're crazy. If he could stay on a football field for 17 games, um, Jerry Rice made a number one a, a goat career out of playing the same style of football that Michael Thomas played. <laughs> yes, he did. And played till he was 42 years old. So, <laughs> it's let's talk about let's talk about the team that got undoubtedly you know, the they made the biggest leap in terms of what the team's going to be able to do, and that's the New York Jets. Well. Per sources, per sources that happen to be the guy himself. Yeah, per per Aaron Rodgers, he is going to be a New York Jet this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that team just went from possibly contending to make the playoffs with Zach Wilson and Mike White and Joe Flacco to bringing in a top five quarterback of all time on one of the most loaded rosters in the entire NFL, offensively, defensively, coaching staff, anywhere you want to look at it. Um, The New York Jets are a legit threat to win a Super Bowl. Yes, New York was – the, and it's so funny to say this. I don't feel like we've seen this in our lifetime. Um, Crazy. The Jets last year were a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. Legitimate, full-on, full-fledged Super Bowl contender. You go out and add Alan Lazard next to Garrett Wilson. And Elijah Moore. And Elijah Moore. A guy that wanted to get out of the Jets for a little bit. I I doubt he's making that call anymore. Yeah, he's good now. I'm pretty sure he's fine where he's at. Um, Re-signing a ton of talent. Solomon Thomas, Quincy Williams. Um, You know, we talked about Chuck Clark. A guy that got in a trade for Baltimore. Seemed like a steal of a trade for for the Jets. Um, Greg Zerline kept him around. They've had a successful offseason this far. None of that compares to Aaron Rodgers. This is the Ooh. guy that makes them a top-five team in the NFL right now. That defense is young. That defense is fast. That defense is furious. A little bit of, you know, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of, what's what's the guy, what's the ball guy? I can't think of his name. Dom Toretto. Dom Toretto action going on. We're going fast and furious right here. Um, Got a family situation. Got a family situation. Aaron Rodgers about to come in there and fix it, baby. He said on Pat McAfee's show today that the only thing holding him up is just the compensation going back to Green Bay. But he is full-fledged ready for this trade to happen, and it is going to happen. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt. Now, to see the trade package that is going to be involved is going to be very interesting. Um, I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers has a no-trade clause, so he gets to decide which team he wants to go to. I, I think that's the whole yeah. basis of this whole offseason. Um, and the Jets with that pick. So I, I don't know how trade negotiations work at that point because I'm pretty sure the Jets could just be like, look, this guy's not going to play for you. He's going to come to us. Like, The Packers have no leverage here. No, that's the problem. And something Pat talks about on his show today that I thought was pretty interesting is everybody's trying to compare this to the Matthew Stafford trade. Nowhere near. It's, it's not even close. You forget People forget in the Matthew Stafford trade that the Lions get a pretty decent haul for Matthew Stafford. They were also taking the contract of Jared Goff. 
Like that whole dynamic is completely different. With Aaron Rodgers, you're not taking anything. You're dumping fifty million dollars. This is gonna sound crazy right here. Trading Matthew Stafford at the time he was being traded is like trading Kirk Cousins right now. Yeah. Like what what's what did what did Matthew Stafford I hate to say this, I love Matthew Stafford. What did he prove in Detroit other than having 4,000-yard season after 4,000-yard season to say, oh, we need to give up all? We're talking about Aaron freaking Rodgers right here, guys. Like, this is a whole different ball game. This is like trading for a top-five quarterback of all time. Like, maybe the most talented quarterback of all time. This is, like, legit stuff. Now, do I think it's going to be compensation like we saw from, you know— I don't know, though, because Russ just got traded this past year, and Russ is obviously not the age of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that Russ package was crazy. I mean, we're talking about seven assets among draft picks and players they, they acquired for us. Like, I think it was yeah. somewhere around seven. Like, I, I don't know what, what it's going to be. I, I'm really curious to see what it is. I'm assuming it's at least um, a couple picks. I would think. I don't even want to speculate on it. Like, cause I, I don't want to be embarrassed of how wrong I'm going to be. Um, what, what do you think it's going to be? I don't think it's going to be near as impressive as everyone thinks. I'm going to say two first rounders and a fourth. I don't think I I don't think it'll be two first rounders. I definitely don't think. Um I saw a report come out today that the Packers were seeking at least two first rounders and then like 5 minutes later it was like, "Yeah, that's not true." So, I don't know, man. I mean, what do you do for the Packers, you know? Like it, how you can't demand too much from a trade because the Jets are the only team you can trade Aaron Rodgers to because mm-hmm. of his contract, and you can't sign anybody else because you got to pay him fifty million dollars if you don't do it. No, it's it's intriguing. I mean, it is hard to say because I mean we did yeah. we did see it last year. That's the only thing that's so weird because we saw it with Russ. Russ had no trade clause. He wanted to go to Denver. Everybody knew he wanted to go to Denver, but they still had to give up a huge haul for him. This is a little bit different. I think that I think Russ would have played again in Seattle if he had to. I don't know if Aaron's going to play again. And I think if they don't trade Aaron Rodgers, he will retire from football. Like, I, don't, I don't think he's touching. From what I heard from Aaron Rodgers today on that podcast from Pat McAfee, he's done with Green Bay. There's no doubt about it. It seemed like Aaron Rodgers' comeback revenge tour version against Green Bay, just from what I heard. And, and Green Bay's done with him. Yeah, Green Bay's done with him. That, that's basically what he said. He was like, he was like, yeah, I came back from the darkness and I checked social media and there was shopping going on. And it seemed like, you know, if they would have been realistic with me and tell me that, you know, I was I was done, they were moving on, he would have said he would have enjoyed it, but they never did that. So yeah, I think, I don't know, man. It, it's an interesting situation to me because, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is also 40. Yeah, he's old. That's That's another big problem with this. It's just, it's either you trade him and you save $50 million or you don't and you can't sign anybody else it's like there's just he's gonna get traded there's no doubt the Jets will do whatever they got to do to get him I just I I don't think it's gonna be as crazy as people think it is yeah and I guess the difference is too is how much do you warrant your future for a guy that does not have many years left compared to Russell Wilson who at the time seemed like he had a lot of good years of football left in him right yeah like you don't mind trading you know a couple you know trading three years into your future of first-round picks because you have Russell Wilson at the helm for three more years. I don't know if the Jets are looking at that the same way with Aaron Rodgers. He might be a guy you have for a year, and he might wrap it up. Like, it, 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 is, it is different on that aspect. Um, and it's something we don't really see happen very often. A lot of these guys, they kind of, you know, whenever they're kind of done, they'll get cut. Like, 
We saw with oh, Peyton yeah. Manning. Like a lot of these older quarterbacks, when they're done, they're they're done. Teams will move on and not care. Aaron Rodgers is just, you know, coming off, you know, in the past three years has won two MVPs. It's a little bit of a different situation. Dude, there were, I don't know if you saw this, but the Bengals stole Orlando Brown. No, are you talking about the, the contract? The 17th highest paid tackle in the NFL? That's crazy. That is insane. Um, to me, he should be the number one paid tackle in the NFL just because of how things work in the NFL with salary cap. You know, you'd think that he would become the highest paid player at that position. Um, I think I think a lot of people still think of him as a right tackle. Maybe so. And I'll be honest with you, from hearing him talk, I know he wanted to get the bag. Don't get me wrong. I also think the guy just wants to win. Yeah. Um, I think he only wants to play left tackle. That makes sense. I mean, that, that that's where you're gonna make your money at for sure. I mean, he's still young. I mean, he he could double hit. Like he's he's definitely a candidate to hit free agency again, and you know, tap into it one more time for another big deal after this one runs up. His dad was a left tackle in the NFL, so I think that's pretty important for him to play left tackle. I remember him saying that on the mm-hmm. show. So he did say that. I don't know. That's very interesting to me. Um, I bet a lot of teams feel stupid. Yes. Yes. Very stupid. I was just, hell, how much? How much? How much dead money we eat by cutting Jake? <laughs> Never mind. We love Ew. you, Jake Matthews. Ew. <laughs> how much dead money we eat by cutting you, bro? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, Orlando Brown, seventeenth highest paid player, um, highest paid tackle in football. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, the quarterback, the quarterback carousel. Even outside Aaron Rodgers has been carouseling. Um, I don't know if that's the proper term. We talk about Lamar Jackson. He was the big. He was the big guy on everybody's radar. And then they start talking about it, and this team's not in on him. And this team's not in on him. And this team's not in on him. We all know that's bullcrap. He's gonna. He's he's gonna get you know some two hundred million dollar deal. I still believe he's gonna get paid some significant amount by a team out there. And then it's gonna be in Baltimore's hands to match and not match. I learned some new stuff though. We don't see too many exclusive free agent guys or exclusive franchise t- or non exclusive franchise tag guys. Something that doesn't really happen too much at this position that would garner so much interest, I guess. I'm looking at a lot of this stuff. Some of these running backs got non-franchise, non-exclusive franchise tag, like Tony Pollard. But there's not going to be a team that wants to go out there and pay him, you know, that much money at the running back position. Quarterbacks I didn't realize that the non-exclusive tag is the most common tag. I didn't either, Ed. I'm looking at it now. It makes sense. I think a lot of quarterbacks get franchise tag, like, exclusively. Um, but a lot of guys that aren't quarterbacks get non-exclusives. Um I honestly think that just the non-exclusive tag for a running back and stuff like that, I mean, the money's already high enough that teams aren't going to yeah. be willing to go out and offer a guy three or four years at that same at that same wage. So, Running backs don't make much more now than they did five years ago, so there's not really a benefit to doing either one. Yes, yes. For quarterbacks, it's a completely different story. These guys are yeah, making a ton of ridiculous. money. Um, but Lamar's going to get paid. Um, obviously, the Falcons seem like they're out on that for sure now. Um. I don't even think the money's there. And it's funny because we kind of talked about this a little bit. I hate to kind of keep on rambling. We talked about this for a while. And and I, I don't want to give myself too much credit right here. I don't. But I, I was, you know, famous famous for saying that I don't know if I want Lamar Jackson on the Falcons. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I wasn't saying it because of the player Lamar Jackson was. I was saying it because how much it hinders you in free agency and how much it hinders you in the draft. Because you're going to give up, you know, two first-round picks. And your salary cap's done because the Falcons were going to sign him. We were going to guarantee him fifty plus million year one. 
just to keep yeah. Baltimore away from him. We're going to we're going to offer him a contract so big that Baltimore didn't have an option to match it. And now I look at the offseason, how it's played out so far. I'm so happy that we did not try to pursue Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But like, it has paid off a ton. It does sound crazy, and getting a top-tier quarterback is one of the hardest things to do in the NFL. Um, it, and this is no disrespect to Lamar Jackson. This is a guy that me and Kenny have both been really high on for a while, even whenever people are kind of falling off on him. This is not Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. This is not a franchise changer to me, to, in, in my personal opinion. I don't know if he's a guy that comes in day one and just changes your team to an instant playoff contender, especially a Falcons team that we know was weak going into the offseason. I don't think he's a guy that, you know, takes a – how many wins do we have? Seven, six? Yeah, seven. I don't I don't think he's a guy that pumps you up all the way to 13 wins or 12 wins. I don't think he's a guy that adds five or six wins to your, you know, to your schedule, to your calendar. Well, I think the thing with Lamar Jackson that's so unique is that we've just never seen – a quarterback like him be successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the closest we've seen is Cam. He made a Super Bowl, lost. But other than that, dude, like all the quarterbacks we've seen win Super Bowls, win multiple Super Bowls, just get to the stage have been the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen type. And every single one of those guys that I just named, you could take them and put them on 31 other NFL teams and they would immediately contribute to way more wins. Yes. With Lamar Jackson, I'm not saying that he's not that talented. It sounds crazy. I'm not hating on Lamar Jackson, but you've really got to build your offensive scheme and personnel group around Lamar Jackson's skill set. With Patrick Mahomes, like you could put Patrick Mahomes on the worst NFL team in the world. And he's just going to make them that much better. Like, it doesn't matter who his teammates are. It doesn't matter what scheme you're running. When you can throw the football and extend plays literally every inch of the field from anywhere on the field that you're standing, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's going to work. No, for sure. And Lamar Jackson's skill set is just so unique that in order for it to be successful, you've got to really have a team built around that. And um, unfortunately for the rest of the NFL, I mean, there's two teams that are really built like that, and it's the Chicago Bears and the Baltimore Ravens, and the Bears have a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So all signs point to Baltimore. Yeah, all signs do point at Baltimore. I do think he's going to end back up in Baltimore. I do think there's going to be a team that comes out. I I think there's going to be a team that comes out. I think what Baltimore is doing right now is they're giving Lamar the ability to go out and negotiate and get the deal he wants. And then Baltimore is going to come back and match it. Because obviously their negotiations didn't go anywhere. Um, they couldn't really find a common ground. So I think they're going to kind of let another team do the dirty work for them. And they're yeah. going to just come back. Because no matter what, you're not going to give up a quarterback of Lamar Jackson's level with that much youth for two first-round picks. I, I refuse to believe that they would let that happen. Um, it just seems crazy to me because he was a guy that you know would probably command three first-round picks and other assets Yeah, if, if you are just to trade him straight up. Now, money is a situation. Salary cap is always uh, a thing, which would just kind of affect things. But I, I do think they're going to find a way to make things work, if you know what I mean. I, I doubt the players on Baltimore are like, oh, no, we're not going to restructure our deal. We'll play, we'll play next season with you know, <laughs> Joe Schmo at quarterback. We don't give a crap. No. That's not how it works. These guys are still – they might be – you know, this might be their job, but they still play the game to win the game for the most part. Exactly. Yeah, it's – I mean, Baltimore, they – they're really doing the smart thing if you think about it. I mean, they couldn't figure out anything themselves, so they're just going to let somebody else do the work for them. 
Oh, Schefter just tweeted a bomb right here. Darius Slay was never officially released, and uh, now there's a source saying that the Pro Bowl corner is expected to stay with the Eagles. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Why was he putting eyes at Trey Young when Trey Young said, come to Atlanta? <laughs> Why did he say, thank you, Philly? And his wife said, I'm going to miss Philly. Hey, to be fair, we do see a lot of times where these guys learn about news on social media. They're like, oh, yeah, I heard I got traded first. The first thing I heard it from was Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Shepard tweeted it. <laughs> That's true. So it is a pretty common occurrence, but that is interesting to say the least. Um, Unless about- you're Aaron Rodgers or Alex Anthopoulos, Twitter knows first. Yes. <laughs> AA is a stud at that. Um, saying another team that did get significantly better, um, I'll give you my loser of this offseason so far. My loser of the offseason, despite, you know, one of their big guys that was con- contemplating retirement coming back, um, is the Eagles. Uh, yeah, dude, This Eagles team bad. is losing a lot on the defensive side of the football. Um, outside of quarterback play, you could argue that defense is the easiest way to win championships. I do think quarterback play does get you a step above. I, I think if it's a great quarterback, it doesn't matter what defense you run out against, and they're going to figure out ways to have success. But if you have a great defense, that'll lead you there. And this is no disrespect to Jalen Hurts. What he did last year was phenomenal. He was a top five quarterback, maybe probably top three quarterback in the NFL last year. But this defense played a huge part in that Eagles team success. And they have lost a lot, a lot, a lot of talent, which is something a lot of people expected to have. Like, right, like we we, we kind of realized this Eagles team. We looked at it last year. We saw the pending free agents. We said there's no way they could pay all these guys, especially with their quarterback hitting a free agent year next year. Um. And it happened. These guys have been leaving left and right. They were able to get James Bradbury back, which is a cog on this Eagles defense. You know, a top, probably a top 10 corner, undoubtedly. Maybe a top yeah. five guy, I would think. Maybe could work his way up in there. Just came out, Darius Slay's probably going to stay back in Philly. So you have your two corners locked down. Brandon Graham came back for a one-year deal. Fletcher Cox, obviously, coming back again. Kelsey coming back. And then, you know, they did lose Miles Sanders, but they go out and get a guy like Rashad Penny, who I think is going to fit that scheme great. Um, Not so much the same skill set as Miles um, Sanders, but more of like your bowling ball type guy that just gets downhill, which I think this Philly team could really, really benefit from because that's something they really didn't have last year. So, um, But to me, I think they are they, – they probably didn't have the worst offseason out of every – out of all 32, but when you're talking about notable teams and seeing some decline um, outside of Tampa Bay <laughs> – <laughs> for losing Tom Brady. I'm going to say Philly's probably up there. Um, I really like what Pittsburgh did. Oh, I I'm pretty love high Patrick Peterson signing. Oh, man, that's fun. And uh, remember this name, listeners, Cole Holcomb. Oh, he's about Cole to go Holcomb crazy. Is, Cole, Hol- Cole Holcomb is a Mike linebacker from the Washington Commanders and will be a top 10 consensus middle linebacker in the NFL this season. So, uh, dude is an absolute dog. They bring back Larry Ogunjobi signed that uh what's his name nate something from the jets yeah yeah that that really good guard um so they're getting kenny pickett you know bringing that offensive line revamping it a little bit that was pretty bad last year they lose um can't remember his name they lose that stud corner Mm. uh it'll hit me in a minute they had a really young corner hit free agency for the first time coming off his rookie contract lose him to a three-year deal Bring in Pat Pete. Um, solid, solid offseason for the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, Pat Pete, man. I was thinking about Pat Pete on that on that Steelers defense. It's going to be fun to see him in in, in those colors. Uh, Pat oh, yeah, Pete's dude. still playing at a high level. It, it took there was a year or two in, in the middle right there where we're kind of like, okay, is Pat Pete falling off? And then last year he came back out and was you know a 
top tier corner. So yeah, happy to see him playing with a dynamic defense with Pittsburgh. That's gonna be yeah, fun. And that that defense is top five. Always will be top five. Um, and then you got the same offensive core. You bring back you know a really 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 good young receiving duo and um, George Pickens and. Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson. Yep, that's him. And um, super slept on tight end. And uh, old Friar Muth. Muth. Yeah, Muth got damn near a thousand yard season last year. Yeah, people sleeping on him. Najee and Kenny. And then uh, the offensive line was a big glaring issue there. You're bringing a guard. I'm sure they'll probably address that in the draft as well. But uh, I like what the Steelers are doing. Yeah, there's a lot of like lower end teams that like kind of went crazy this year. Um, Mm -hmm. Like. I'm not going to lie. I think the Texans, if they get a quarterback in, which is going to happen, I think it's going to be Bryce Young at this point. A lot of people are kind of pointing at C.J. Stroud to be that number one guy right now. I think Bryce Young's going to slot in at that two spot. Um, you know, they go on and get Noah Brown with from Dallas, who I think on a one-year $2.6 million deal is an absolute steal, man. I, I like what I saw from Noah Brown last year with, with Dallas. Um, they also go on and get Bobby Woods, Robert Woods, um, a guy that has had a lot of success in the past, um, could come in, slot in well with, with Houston. Um, Andrew Becks is coming in. Shaq Mason, they acquired him from Tampa Bay. Um, they went out and got a, they re-signed their center, brought in Chase Winovich, good player. Sheldon Rankins, good player. Um, maybe not like the biggest, flashiest moves in the world, but uh, a lot of you know moves to add some depth. Also brought in Case Keenum, which, you know, yep. damn good backup quarterback to bring in for, you know, with a rookie quarterback most likely coming in. Yeah, and, you know, one thing about the Texans, too, that we need to mention is you bring in a guy like Robert Woods to shore up that wide receiver room a little bit really gives a pretty good exit for uh, Brandon Cooks to be traded to the Atlanta Falcons. So Yes, and it also kind of opens up a lot of eyes seeing him sign Case Keenum to wonder. Yeah. What's going to happen with Dougie Mills? Dougie Mills was a guy that I was thinking could be a possible. Before before we got the news about um, Heineke, I was thinking Davis Mills could be a possible trade candidate to the Falcons to kind of sure up yeah. that backup position. A guy that could, you know, be a backup quarterback. And, you know, possibly if Desmond Ritter doesn't work out, a guy that possibly has the potential to kind of be maybe a guy you look at for a future. Um, yeah. Obviously, that's not the case now. Heineke's here. He's getting paid legit backup money, so he's not going anywhere. Um but Case, I mean, we talk about um, Davis Mills. Davis Mills is a guy that, you know, if the draft doesn't go well for some of these teams or some quarterback problems happen, obviously injuries happen too. He's a guy that I would probably look at on the trade block here soon. He's a guy that might be on the move. He seems like the perfect guy to move on like draft day for like a third-round pick. Like, oh, yeah, you get news. One of these teams go out and trade. Um, Let's just say, I don't know. Try to think about it. Baltimore can't get Lamar Jackson on draft day. They trade blah, blah, blah for Davis Mills. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing something out there. Um, or like maybe some of these teams that have older quarterbacks. Like they just want somebody to be behind them that could possibly be the heir apparent. There's a lot of yeah. different options. But it does kind of seem like a little bit of a lost cause right now for Davis Mills, which sucks because he was a guy I was really high on going into last season. Obviously did not play very well. And um, now it looks like Houston is looking for another quarterback. One thing I forgot to mention when we talked about the Jets. Um, this is your last opportunity to develop Zach Wilson. Yes. And that's the. this is literally the best situation you could put him in. Yes. Um, 
number one, obviously, who's better to learn from than Aaron Rodgers? You know, look at the leap Jordan Love made from year one to last year. I mean, he looks like a completely different player. Um, and then you talk about Zach Wilson, who has you know all the skill set in the world, sitting behind a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who is very similar in the fact that he has all the skill set in the world, but Zach Wilson has none of the mental side of it, and Aaron Rodgers is one of the most you know, well-known quarterback ninja assassins ever at the line of scrimmage. Like, best situation for him. And on top of that, you add in the fact that they're friends. Yeah, yeah, it's some interesting stuff. I was thinking, of, I did not put that in that perspective until you just mentioned it. When I look at play styles and I look at who Zach Wilson could be, and this is this is not me saying that Zach Wilson is a top no, three quarterback all. of all time. But I look at how his skill set works and, you know, his even his arm slot and stuff like that. Just like looking at how he moves on a football field. I could definitely see a little bit of like an Aaron, like learning from Aaron Rodgers and taking some of the stuff from his game and putting it into, yep. into Zach Wilson's own game because I definitely see it. Like the arm talent's there with Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson. The ability to make any throw on a football field is there. Like you mentioned, yep. though, the mental side is everything in the NFL at the quarterback position. You have if you if you if you see a quarterback that is a smart quarterback, they're going to have a lot more success than a dumb skilled quarterback. Yep. <laughs> no offense, but look at Jameis Winston and Baker Mayfield. Both those guys probably have all the arm talent in the world. Look at their NFL success. <laughs> well, and if you just think about it from like a just purely personal level, throw the NFL stuff out the window. Like there's been such a worry in the NFL that Zach Wilson has kind of like an arrogance issue and he didn't want to listen to anybody because like he's been on a team with Joe Flacco. So like Joe Flacco is obviously a great guy to learn from when you're talking about developing as an NFL quarterback. And, you know, Zach Wilson very well could just be like, hey, buddy. I'm not listening to Joe Flacco. Like, I'm just going to go out here and play ball. I mean, just think about this from a human being perspective. Are you more likely to listen and soak in information from somebody that you've never met a day in your life or somebody that you actually spend time and hang out with in the offseason? Like some, or somebody that you know in your personal life. Like, Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are, like, legitimate friends. Like, they throw together in the offseason. They go play golf together, like, the Jets obviously are trying to win a Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers gives you the best chance to win a Super Bowl, but I bet you that this was a factor in that decision. No, no doubt. <laughs> I was just thinking about what he says. Could you imagine how big of a shot you have to be to be coming into the league and have Joe Flacco as one of your mentors and say, you know what, Joe, I'm not going to listen to you? Like, And this, this is not me saying Joe Flacco is some phenomenal quarterback, but I mean – Joe Flacco was a damn quarterback. It was a damn good quarterback for about a decade. Like, I mean, yeah. we're talking about a guy that was, you know, he came in around the same. I want to say he came in the same year as Matt Ryan, and like he was, he was on pace for a decade, like for a pretty good bit. Like, I mean, he was, he was up there for a while. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Let's hope that was not the situation. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not, but hey, if, if you're going to give Zach any chance in the world to actually turn into an NFL quarterback, you're doing it right now. I'm going to tell you how uh, you know if it's successful or not. If Zach Wilson starts going on like peace retreats this coming up offseason, this next NFL yeah. offseason, if he starts doing weird stuff, you're like, oh yeah, Zach Wilson's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's, it's coming. If, he, if Zach Wilson grows out his hair and starts doing ayahuasca, you book the MVP bits. Oh yeah, yeah, it's coming. It, it's it's coming. Hold on to your rookie cards. You're ready to, you know, send things off the PSA and get them bad boys graded right now. Yes, everybody sir. go up in value. The last big winner for me from free agency, um, the Washington Commanders. I like what they did a lot, man. Uh, you bring in Jacoby Brissett to back Huge. up Sam Howell. 
which is going to be big for Sam Howell, man. Huge. Sam Howell, they've already given him the starting job. I don't think it's an open competition, but uh, Jacoby Brissett, I mean, not, I mean, this is a dude that has had significant playing time, very similar to Taylor Heineke in the Desmond Ritter situation. Um, and, you know, we're super high on Desmond Ritter. We like Des. We saw him play average football in his four starts last year, which is more than you could ask for in four starts from a rookie, third-round rookie at that. Um, but you talk about a guy like Sam Howell, who was a first-round draft pick for three years, and then until he wasn't. Like, this dude has the arm talent. He's got the ability. He's got the skill set. And you bring in a guy like Jacoby Brissett to kind of, you know, charm him up a little bit and, and – teach him the ins and outs of the NFL. That's going to be big for him. Um, they bring in Andrew Wiley from the Chiefs. Andrew Wiley is kind of a debatable one. Um, you ask Chiefs fans, um, Andrew Wiley started at right tackle last year, had a really, really good year, earned the starting job because the Chiefs starting right tackle, Lucas Yang, does that sound right? I think so. Um, was injured at the beginning of the year, and Wiley just didn't do enough to lose the job. So, you know, that's kind of a wash there for the Chiefs. But so – I. Whether or not Andrew Wiley is actually that guy, I don't know. But they bring him in on a cheap deal. So you get a tackle on Andrew Wiley. Um, you bring in a guard, Nick Gates from New York. You bring in Cody Barton, a starting middle linebacker from the Seahawks, and Cam Dantzler from the Vikings to shore up that defensive backfield. Like, this team definitely got better. No, I agree. I, I, I love the offseason they had. It was uh, pretty wild. And there's, there's two of them that I'm kind of looking at now that I like. And this is when I kind of went back and forth on. Um. I like what the Giants did. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot about the Giants. They're on my list. The Daniel Jones deal was interesting. When the when the news first comes out, you see the base numbers: four years, one hundred and sixty. Obviously, that adds up to what forty million dollars a season. Um, then you see the guarantees. You notice that okay, all the guarantees are going to be up in the first two years. So somehow Daniel Jones does absolutely suck. Um, you're out of it in two years, right? Like you're not, that's not a franchise killing contract. That's not a contract right. that's going to affect you super long term if it doesn't work out. So you keep your quarterback around. Obviously, people have mixed feelings on that. I'm not going to say that was an A plus move. I'm not going to say it was an F move. I'm so and so about it. The NFL is a hard, you know, a hard sport to get a quarterback in. It's hard to find a top tier guy. You have a guy that's been in your system for four seasons. You obviously don't want to lose that guy. Um, you're giving him a chance. Yeah, give him a chance. If it doesn't work out, throw. $80 million down the drain over two years. That's nothing in the NFL. Like, <laughs> nobody cares. Um, franchise tag, Saquon Barkley. Obviously, he came back last year. He's one of the, you know, the better running backs in football. Still has denim. Resigned Matt Farita. Another big deal. Big time, uh, you know, two, three running back right there. Sterling Shepard resigned. Um, Darry, I will say this. Darius Slayton is a guy that could potentially be lost. I don't think the rumors that he's going to sign back there. But I, like I said, I mentioned earlier, they, I saw a little somebody posted something about the, you know, Giants offense, and he did tweet it and say the best in the NFL. So I, that kind of just points. I don't know if he's just showing his old teammates some love, or if he's kind of, you know, giving yeah. that like, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be back there. Wouldn't be surprised at all if he signs back with the Giants. Um, and there's a couple different moves they made, but the two I'm going to note: one notable on the offensive side of the ball, one notable on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they brought in Darren Waller. Darren Waller is a guy that's kind of, you know, fallen off a lot of people's, you know, list over the past couple of years. But, you know, let's not forget three years ago. This is a guy was a, you know, no doubt top five tight end. He was a guy that people were yep. listing, were debating at, you know, three after Rob and Travis. He was debating him at three with Mark Andrews. Like, this is a guy that was a top tier tight end in the NFL. A different tight end. Tight end is a position yeah. that you can kind of list guys as different because, the production you get from an a league average tight end is nowhere near the production you get from a different 
tight end. <laughs> yeah. And there's only Kyle Pitts type tight end. Yes, there's only four to five. You can count them on one hand how many different tight ends are in the NFL. Maybe it's getting a little bit bigger now because we do have a lot of, you know, upper echelon tight ends. But Darren Waller is going to be a huge add for that Giants offense. Man, this yeah. guy has a ton of talent. He's a speedster. He is a ball hawk. He does everything well at the tight end position. So I'm excited to see him in there. And the other notable move is uh, Bobby Okariki, man. Bringing him in yep. to help him show up that defense to that linebacker spot. I will say this. You see most of these championship-level teams, one thing they all have in common, and it, it goes back long. This position, I feel like, kind of gets undervalued. Most championship-level teams have a top-tier mic. Um, brains of the defense, guy that kind of calls plays. I don't know if Okariki is going to have that green dot that people like to say on the helmet, kind of notify that he's the guy that calls plays. But most of these guys kind of have that cog in the middle to sure up that defense um and that that's what the giants just did they just added one for themselves so yeah okariki's absolute stud I, I love to see him on the giants team and I, I think he's gonna have a big year there they also bring in uh rakeem nunez roches from the books yes yes yeah they did make that move too they they had a great offseason man um yeah they found some money they found some money after paying danny dimes a ton and yeah, the, dude, they, def- they definitely got better and then you you tag saquon Oh, yeah, yeah, Saquon, yep, yeah, they spent a lot of money, and you know, hopefully it pays off for yeah, Um, uh, I like that Giants team. I like Dayball. Oh, yeah, Dayball's, Dayball's a beast, man. Uh, mm-hmm. My other team I, I'm, I'm noting, and this is a team that, that does have some questions, but they are a Super Bowl-caliber team, a top-five team in the NFL. Um, That's the San Francisco 49ers. Um, It may not be the most popular opinion. I love the Sam Darnold signing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, talk about Trey Lance, guy that had a broken ankle. We talk about um, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. I about forgot his name. Who's coming off a of shoulder surgery. I think this is an easy offense. This is an offense that no matter what quarterback you put back there, they're going to find success. Darnold's a guy that's been around the league. If he happens to take some snaps this year, I don't feel terrible about it for them. I, I don't no. think it's going to make or break their season. I love that signing for them. Um, they re-signed Jake Brendel at the center position. You know, another another good signing right there. Uh, this is the notable one to me. This defense is insane. And then you go out and add Javon Hargrave to that defense. Oh, my God. Things are going to be scary on that 49 hours defense. And then I'm going to keep things in Atlanta a little bit. Um, they also bring in Isaiah Oliver. And yep. if you're not a Falcons fan, you might not know much about this guy. And even if you are a Falcons fan, you might not really know much about him because he did tear his ACL and then just come back say half the season. I'm going to go ahead and write this down with pen. You don't have to write it in pencil because it's not going to be a race. It's going to be a truth to stack. I am a firm believer that this guy will be a top five nickel corner in football if he stays healthy. Isaiah Oliver is a lot better at football than what people give him credit. This guy is a stud. And to see him get to go on a defense like San Francisco, it's going to be crazy to watch him play, man. I'm excited for him. I agree with you 100%, dude. I love Oliver, and he is so good in slot. Yes, he's so good. It took him It took him a couple of years because they kept on trying to play him out wide. He's a big guy. Isaiah Oliver's a, a bigger yeah. quarter. Like, so you look at him, okay, typically guys that play that nickel spot are no, normally smaller guys. You see, you know, you're 5'10", you're, you know, 5'9", type guys that have that speed that play down there. Isaiah Oliver is a guy that you see work down the slot. He likes to hit. He likes to get physical, and he just makes plays down there. He's obviously doesn't yep. work out too well on the outsides. We, we figured that out in Atlanta. But, dude, whenever we moved into the nickel, we saw a different player there. Um, I'm sad to see him leave, really. But, uh, you know, I'm rooting for this kid. Um, been a fan of him since he came out of Colorado a couple of years back. Or Washington, my fault. Washington. A couple of years back. 
in the second round. Whenever he got drafted, a lot of people were saying that he could have been the top corner in that draft. He was like your big yeah. sleeper pick. Took him a couple of years, he found it, and sadly he tore his ACL and it kind of, you know, tore down his his hopeful season he was having. But uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be huge, huge, huge bounce back this year for San Francisco with Isaiah Oliver. I agree, dude. I love that Niners roster is just ridiculous. If they can figure out what's going on at quarterback health wise, they're gonna be so good for so long. Yeah, yeah. And you can talk about Ayuk and Debo and Kittle and you know, the offensive weapons are there. The offensive line is there. Like I, I do think they need a little bit more help on the offensive front. I think that they could use a little bit more, you know, help on the offensive line. But yeah. I mean, they're still good. The defense is obviously star-studded. Like, this is a team that you go into the NFL draft and you look at it and you're like, oh, like, what do you pick? <laughs> when you have a left tackle that can absolutely just shut down pressure from the left side of the field, that, that I mean, that's a blessing. <laughs> yes, yes. Not many teams have that luxury. Dude is literally a brick wall. No, he's a, he's a monster. He's a freak. The only issue they got to worry about is how they're going to pay both a billion dollars. Yeah, he's gonna get he's he's gonna get record breaking money. Um, there's yeah. no doubt about that. Bosa is a he's a freak of nature too. They have a lot of freaks over there in, in San Fran. Yes, they do. All right, Kenny, is is that it for the NFL offseason stuff? I think we went through a pretty deep dive so far. Yeah, man, that's it for me. And we can kind of touch on this stuff week by week as it goes on. Do a little short oh, yeah. segment. I think most of it's already done. I mean, we've seen a lot of moves. There's still notable free agents out there. We'll see get signed. Like I said, we'll talk about that as they as they come up. We're already approaching an hour 30, so we might want to try to finish this thing up. We do have a little bit of praise I'm going to go ahead and break us into. And, uh, Kenny, you're going to love this news. And I know we've already talked about it, so you already know about it. The Braves have options. Right-handed pitchers Ian Anderson and Bryce Elder to Triple A Gwinnett. That leaves this, this starter spot between Mr. Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster. Um, Colby Allen was also mentioned in this conversation. He's on. He's gonna get put on the IL. He's hurt right now. Mike Soroka hasn't yeah. touched the mound yet, so he's not gonna be in that conversation. So it leads us to two two young lefties, um, that have both pitched phenomenal this spring. Um, I, I know where you're leaning, and I'm also leaning the same way. Um, Jared Schuster time, baby. It's Jared Schuster time. Let's go, baby. Bring him in. I'm so pumped, dude. I love Schuster. I've been on the Schuster train. I'm ready to see this man go. We are, we're so worried about his pitch mix. He's got it dialed, bro. He's got it dialed. He looks amazing. We really, really, really could use another, like, long lefty. Yes. That's exactly what he is. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I watched some of his tape. I have not been able to watch these games. I, I work during the times they play. I know you do too, Kenny. Um, but I yeah. have watched some of his tape. Dude, he's working that fastball so well up in the zone. He's 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 busting that change up down in on righties. Like he's he's finding everything he needs to do. And uh, you know, last year was not a I don't want to say a down year, but he made that jump to triple A and he didn't find the most success. And people were kind of falling off this guy a little bit. People forget Jared Schuster's 24, 25 years old. Like he's yeah. he's getting to the ne- the near end of that prospect status type yeah. thing. And Dylan Dodd's the same way. Um and, and right now is the moment that he has to make an impact. And it sucks that it's happening because of injuries and because of guys underperforming. You know, Anderson has been a roller coaster over the past two seasons. Bryce Elder had a terrible outing the day that he got sent down. Um, it just seems like that window is wide open. I do also want to mention, we haven't seen Kyle Wright yet. So no. there is still a chance that we see both these guys in that, in that first round, which we do have an yeah. off day. I do want to mention opening days on the Thursday, uh, t- two weeks from tomorrow. 
and we have an off day that that Friday. So they could do a four man rotation that first time through and hope that Kyle Wright's ready for that second time through. Um, yeah. But if he happens to not be, I mean, both these guys have been pitching well. They both, you know, fire in from the left side. Both look good. Um, Schuster's obviously the guy that fans know more about, but I, everything I've heard is that Dylan Dodd has been a highly regarded prospect among like people on the inside too. So I am excited to see both these kids. Um, yeah, I know Dodd had to go out and face that Dominican Republic lineup <laughs> earlier this spring training. It, it didn't look good, but other than that, no, he's been phenomenal. Not. Um, to be and honestly, Dominican Republic got eliminated today. Oh yeah, I saw that, and uh, Edwin Diaz got carted off. off the field. Yeah. Celebrating. Sucks, man. Sucks, man. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I hate the Mets, but if there was a Met player outside of, I mean, I, I love Verlander and Scherzer, but I do love some Edwin Diaz. Just he, not against the Braves. Not against the Braves. No, not against the Braves. Talk about a dominant force. You see a guy come out, the most demoralizing pitcher to see trot out to the mound. It's Edwin Diaz. You're like, oh my god, here he comes. Like we can't, we can't sniff him, dude. No, I. But to be fair, I don't think there's. I don't think there's a team out there that can. That's crazy. He got lit up the other day. I can't remember who he pitched against. Yeah. Uh, one thing about Schuster and Dodd. Um, obviously, I'm super high on Schuster. I like Dodd, too. I just never talk about him because I love Schuster. I'm, like, super emotionally attached to Schuster for some reason. I have no clue. I've just been on this dude. You um, have. You have. I'll give you that. But one thing about these two guys that I think has to do with them playing well throughout spring training is we know we know Kyle Wright's going to be back. He's going to be fine. It's just a matter of when. Schuster and Dodd, if you're only relying on one of them for the time being off the rip, they really give you the ability to just kind of limp along for a little bit. Mm-hmm. If one falls off, bring the other one in. And it's kind of a fingers crossed situation, but Lord willing, Mike Soroka comes back and is decent and we can yes. just like – We've been struggling at the five spot. We really need to bring somebody in. Oh, Mike's healthy. Here you go. Here's the reins. Take them. Go get it. Mm-hmm. And you know, hopefully, he's got it figured out. Between those three, you got to think we're going to get. We're going to be good. And then, man, it, it, we we talk about this so much, but it feels so good to have Bryce Elder and Ian Anderson down there if you need them. Yeah, and I can almost guarantee you this: Alex Anthopoulos likes to get busy at the trade deadline. Yeah, every year it might not be the biggest, flashiest moves. But, like, could I see an Ian Anderson for, like, a fourth outfielder trade happen on the trade deadline? No doubt. Like, that just seems like – I don't think his value is as high as what a lot of Braves fans think. A lot of Braves fans magically think that we're going to trade Ian Anderson for Brian Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's not that realistic, guys. But, uh, you know, a Jock Peterson a type of guy like that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I could definitely see A working on those moves. And, you know, starting pitching depth is huge in baseball. Like, people always talk about it. You never make it through a season with five stars. You're going to need – eight, nine guys every single year because there's going to be times whenever a guy might need a day off. So I agree. Just getting these guys reps at the big league level is going to be a ton of help. And just knowing in you know the back of your mind that these guys are ready. Like even if Schuster's the guy and Dodd doesn't make the opening day roster, he's sent down a triple A or vice versa. You yeah. have a thing in the back of your mind. Okay, this guy almost made the opening day roster. Like, okay, we're comfortable bringing him up now to make a spot start or to be a starter if somebody goes down long term. Yeah, if these guys need to spot start once every fifth day and just kind of limp them along and plug and play where you need to, you can you can eat up some games until you got the guys you're ready for. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Elder spot started a couple times last year whenever yeah. we were playing lower end teams. I mean, he faced, faced the Marlins twice and the Nationals once, looked good in all three outings. It's kind of a good way to get guys up to the major league level and get them comfortable in a major league clubhouse and the day-to-day stuff, but also not make them go out there and face the 
you know, the St. Louis Cardinals or Philadelphia Phillies or Mets, yeah. you know, those teams. We talk about it so much, man, but it's just another benefit of having a deep starting rotation or potential starting rotation in this brace. Yeah, farm system right now. It's a, you know, farm system, I guess, not prospects wise, but just the guys we got in the vault. Like, if you need to throw somebody in there, you can. Um, at the end of the day, it's just, it's every fifth start. It's the fifth spot in the rotation. It's not going to be the strong suit for any team, but for the Braves, um, when you get the four guys ahead of them that you have, you feel pretty good about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I have three more notes to make it through, so not too much longer. Um, Eli White. Eli White is on fire this spring. He's yeah. betting. He's four, making the roster. 458 with a 536 on base percentage, um, a 1,000 slugging percentage, funny enough. Um, that equals up to a 1.536 OPS with three homers and 24 at-bats. So it, it, this is a fun thing right here. And rightfully so, he should make the opening day roster. But the way politics work in baseball and business works, I don't know. And the main reason behind that is because he has two options. He has two minor league options left where you have guys like Sam Hilliard and Kevin Pillar who have zero options left. So if you send them down, yeah. they're good as gone. Eli White you can send down and kind of have as your little spark plug just in case you got to bring somebody up midway through the season. And he's kind of your guy you can bring up. Um, yeah. that, that, that's what makes me pretty intrigued by this because I would also pencil him in, but then I saw on Twitter people were saying he could get sent down. Same thing with – uh. Left-handed reliever, um, Dylan Lee. People are saying Dylan Lee might not make the opening day roster for that same exact reason. Jackson Stevens. Yeah, there's a there's a couple guys. There's a couple guys that have those options that teams will send down early on just to see what they got with the other guys. And if they're not performing, you just bring the guy up later on. It's it's an interesting case. Baseball's a long season, though. I think people be, people forget that a good bit of times. Jackson Stevens has not looked good. No, no, he's looked bad. He's not. He's not making the team. He'll. He's not going to be in the organization unless they. Uh, they. I don't. I'm assuming he don't have options. If he had options, he would have been option last time and not cut. Yeah. They cut him and it they him. Yeah, I like Jackson I love a lot. Jackson Stevens. Seems like a great clubhouse guy. If we can figure sure. out a way to get him down to AAA without being claimed by another team, I would love that for those guys down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brayden Shoemake. <laughs> yeah. A name that people seem like they fell off. Everybody was off the Braden Shoemake train. Vaughn Grissom was the new up-and-comer, which he still is. Don't get me wrong. But, dude, Braden Shoemake is opening a lot of eyes this spring. He's hitting the ball hard, which has always been his question. And let me say this. Braden Shoemake is a guy that if you put him at major league level right now, he's contending for a gold glove every season at the shortstop position. He is an elite defensive shortstop. Thanks. The bat has to play. And so far, what we've seen from him, the bat has played. He has hit the ball very, very well. I don't know if shortstop is his future position. Like, if, if he is considered the future of for the shortstop position, obviously Von Grissom's there, and there, you know, things may have to happen. But I will say this. He has kind of rattled things up a little bit. People are kind of hopping on him. If Von Grissom comes out struggling, it should make that next guy up. There are active debates going on. I've been seeing them on Twitter. People are people are loving what they've seen from Shoemake so far. And, like, yes. again... And I feel like as a Braves fan, we say this a lot. We cannot forget that just two, three years ago, people were saying this is one of the, you know, the better. He was the, he was the guy. Like, Braden Shoemake was one of your guys that you were, you know, yeah. banking on being that guy. And whether he's an everyday shortstop or he's a, you know, Orlando RCA-type utility player that can play multiple positions in the infield, um, that, you know, time will tell on that stuff. But, you know, he's, yeah. I honestly think there was a time there where I was questioning his ability to make an impact at the major league level. 
I think those questions are kind of out the door now. I think we know that he can make an impact at the major level. It's just more when than, yeah. you know, if it's going to happen. When and where. Mm-hmm. And my last note, before we get off this amazing podcast, is um, you can look at the box score today against the Houston Astros, and you can see that Spencer Strider gave up like six hits and two runs over three and two-thirds innings. Guess what? I don't care. The guy struck out eight guys in three and two-thirds innings. Let's just say Spencer Strider is back, baby. Spring training, dude. Nobody cares. He's a dog. If Spencer Strider's strikeout numbers are there, He's going to be just fine in the regular season because nobody's going to touch him. He's going to ramp things up. Staying eight eight Ks and three and two thirds. Um, yeah. Thank you, Spencer. That was very enjoying for me to see. Yes. We love you, Spence. We love you, Spencer. Love you, Spence. But that wraps it up for me on Braves Talk. Uh, obviously, it's kind of slow right now. They're just we, – we talked about it, I think, before podcast or maybe it was on the podcast. Frank training. They just training. In the spring. Uh, two weeks from tomorrow's opening day, so that's whenever things will kind of get fun. Podcast before then or until then will just feature us kind of doing little short breakdowns because, like, we don't watch every spring training game. I haven't watched a spring training game since, like, the third spring training game because I don't have time to watch them. Um, yeah. I don't want to make it seem like my life is super busy, but they come, on at, they come on at an awkward time, and I don't have my MLB TV subscription just yet because I'm waiting to pay for it when the season actually starts. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't help me. I just don't feel like paying for it right now. The uh, there's two things I can tell you about spring training, Jake. Okay, it's spring and they be training. You got it. Is that it? Is that really what you're about to say? That's it. <laughs> they do be training. <laughs> they have been clearing that roster down a little bit, though. I did notice they got down to like 40 guys like two days ago. So. Spring cleaning. Spring cleaning, baby. We're cleaning up, cleaning up that roster, getting down to those final guys, seeing who's gonna make that impact. Um, right. right. Yeah, that's it for me. Um, if you if you're watching this on YouTube, what's up, guys? Uh, go check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Peach State Tailgate, Peach State Tailgate. Ooh, that was a little bit of words. So it's getting late here. I'm getting tired. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you listen to us on the podcast, uh, check us out on YouTube. You get to see our face. You get to see our reactions. Like I mentioned earlier, me and Kitty ramble on for like 40 minutes before we get started, which is kind of dumb. Maybe next time we won't do that, and we'll just hop. Yeah, right let's just press play. Yeah, we're just gonna press press record. It might be a little different, you know, podcast next week. We'll see. Um, we are coming up on our little two episode week pretty soon. Um, draft is near the end of April. So probably next month, you're going to get a little two episode week. So me and Kenny can both give our oh. official Peach Day tailgate mock drafts, which is going to be a lot Let's of fun. Let's go, baby. So we got a couple things to look forward to, um, for the gamers out there in the world. Uh, let's just say we are nine days away from MLB the show. We are getting close and I'm so excited about that. I am. I thought about taking off work that day. Decided not to. I was like, oh, I, I, could, I could probably use my vacation days a little bit better than that. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you could. I don't know if I could either. Like, I, if I took that Friday off, I would play that game all day. I would probably, it'd probably be one of my more. I got. Would I rather sit at the beach or play on the show all day? That's honestly a question. <laughs> There's a question there. <laughs> there is certainly a question, if, especially if both involve ice cold Bud Lights. Now that Saturday, birthday party. Yes, that sir. Sunday, MLB the show all day long, baby. Yeah, that wraps up for me, Kenny. Go ahead and give us your closing thoughts, and we can get up on out of here. Yeah, man. Good show. We appreciate y'all for listening, and uh, I can't wait to get to the NFL draft. Um, me neither. I'm dying. I'm dying to dive into it, but we can't yet because it changes every day. 
So we got to get a little bit closer to where we actually know what we're talking about. Pro days are happening. Guys are falling. Guys are climbing. So lots of changes. So it's it's too early. It's too early, but we'll be there soon enough. And oh, yeah. um, that's going to be a fun week on the pod. It's going to be great, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, man, that, that that's it for me. We appreciate y'all for listening. Can't wait to hop back in this thing, talk some more football, uh, free agency. We got a, we still got a lot of stuff headed, uh, coming at us because uh, what the new league year started today at five. So um, yeah, dude, a lot of exciting football talk and obviously baseball right around the corner, baby. Oh yeah, well we see y'all next time.